What are we discussing on today's podcast, who asks? Well, we got to discuss that weekend series against the Colorado Rockies and how the D-backs are not being complacent with this season. And then we talk to Sully Baseball about Zach Gallen's scoreless streak, about how the Cardinals are struggling and whether they should fire their manager, and so much more on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's talk about the Diamondbacks this weekend series and talk about how they're actually looking at this season with a sense of urgency because the D-backs in this series against the Colorado Rockies were able to get their offense back on track because the D-backs in three games were able to put up 24 runs. Now, Sunday's series finale wasn't too pretty as the Rockies scored 12 runs to the D-backs four with Ryan Nelson struggling once again. Six earned runs over four innings pitch. And Ryan Nelson um hasn't looked too pretty over his last three starts. If you count today's start, it has not been a pretty stretch of games for him because Ryan Nelson, it is Recent start before today, he had five innings pitch, 11 hits, and four earned runs against the Kansas City Royals. Then on 420 against the San Diego Padres, five innings, five earned runs. So the last three starts from him, five earned runs, four earned runs, six earned runs, not good Ryan Nelson. He's been getting hit a lot. That fastball velo has looked pretty good during those three starts, but it's just sitting too much in the middle of plate and doesn't seem to really be fooling anyone, doesn't seem to doesn't seem to be deceptive, which is the most important thing. So these opposing batters have been teeing off against Ryan Nelson recently, and that happened more on Sunday. But the D-backs offense was able to get back on track and for the first two games of the series just look phenomenal. I mean, in game one, the offense did show up kind of late because they put up three runs in the seventh and then five runs in the ninth inning. That's how they were able to beat the Rockies 9-1. to Like, they got eight runs from the seventh inning on, which is kind of hard, but they were still able to get 10 hits in that game, four walks to four strikeouts, something that we're always tracking because the T-backs, um, I think we said on a podcast like Wednesday or Thursday how the D-backs have only had like one or two games the whole season where they had more walks and strikeouts. Well, in game one, at least it was even four walks and four strikeouts. Merrill Kelly looked great in game one, six innings, one earned run. Really strong stuff from him. In game two, Tommy Henry was all right. He pitched into the six at least. He's an innings eater, which you do like, like only 75 pitches as he pitched into the six, but still seven hits, four and runs in it. He, he probably couldn't stay in that game any longer than what he did do, but the offense bailed him out and were there for the run support because sometimes for Merrill Kelly, we don't see a lot of run support. So it was nice to see game one. He got a lot of run support, even though it came like after he left the game. And then game two, a lot of run support for Tommy Henry. Perdomo was phenomenal. Christian Walker was phenomenal. And Perdomo, I mean, the no batting gloves Perdomo has looked insane this year. And he's just been on another level for the D-backs. I mean, his slash line currently, 383, 456, 617. Perdomo has been on insane mission the whole year so i like to see the d-backs offense getting on track they were able to take care of business against the lowly colorado rockies team the d-backs are three games above 500 they're still in first place in the nl west which you like to see and i want to talk about how the d-backs 
or looking at the season with a sense of urgency because seeing them call up Dominic Fletcher to me really signified how they're not taking this season lightly. They talked about complacency. They're not trying to be complacent this season. They see how much talent they have on the field. And one reason Dominic Fletcher got called up is because Corbin Carroll got hurt. He's probably not going on the injured list, but a little bit more outfield depth for this D-backs team. But two, it's because like with Madison Bumgarner, DFAing him because you knew he just wasn't good for this rotation. He wasn't helping out your ball club. And you saw that this D-backs team could maybe compete for a wild card spot. So you're like, why are we going to give up a rotation spot to a massive bum garner? Well, you call up Dominic Fletcher because you already optioned Jake McCarthy, who has been struggling this year. Alec Thomas hasn't lit the world on fire. Why not call up uh, Dominic Fletcher with a 300-plus batting average, over 400 OBP, over 500 slugging? The man has crushed it in Reno this year. If he can... Get hot with the D-backs. He already had a double in his season debut. If he can get hot with the D-backs and sustain that level of offensive um, competitiveness, if he could basically be this year's Jake McCarthy, like I think the D-backs will ride him and say, you know what? Corbin Carroll's our number one. Maybe Don Fletcher is our, with how he's playing, our second best outfielder. And then it's a toss-up between, are we putting Thomas in that third day, Guriel, or are we going to call up Jake McCarthy ever again? Like, I think the D-backs are ultimately going to ride whoever the hot hands are. I think Corbin Carroll's a lock. And then, if Dominic Fletcher is playing well and playing good, like, I think him and Lords Guriel might be the first two up in that outfield outside of Alec Thomas, just because I think the D-backs are going to play the best guys and play the guys who are playing the best and Alec Thomas is always going to have a spot because of his defense but Dominic if Dominic Fletcher plays solid defense and his bat is just way better than Thomas's like I wouldn't be surprised if the D-backs gave Fletcher a lot of runway for the rest of the season and I don't mind building that competitive environment for this D-backs team because I think that's so interesting right now I think it's the same thing with Ryan Nelson because the D-backs haven't announced their next starter yet for Wednesday's game against the Texas Rangers after Zach Allen's start going in game two. They have announced Wednesday's starter, and some people are speculating. We don't know for sure, but maybe it could be Brandon Fott. And if it is Brandon Fott, like that would be super exciting. We'd be sounding the alarm on the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. Like he's a tantalizing talent. I won the best minor league seasons we've ever seen last season. He's been really good for the Reno Aces this year. Like everyone would want to see Brandon Fott on the major league level. And that would not bode well for some of the other rookies we've seen in the rotation this year, right? Because if Brandon Fott gets called into the rotation, you inject him. Maybe Zach Davies comes back. Like you go Gallon. You go Merrill Kelly. Davies has been solid this year. And Brandon Fott is good. Like, we just talked about how Ryan Nelson's been struggling. Like, do you keep Ryan Nelson in as that fifth starter? Do you maybe move him to the bullpen, keep Tommy Henry in as your fifth starter? What do you do with Dre Jameson? Like, I think the D-backs are, once again, like, treating, if they do call up a Brandon Fott, like, they're going to ride the hot hand and ride whoever is the best player right now. And so it's like, everyone on this D-backs team, if you're a young player, like, you can't rest on your loyal on your laurels, which I like so much. The D-backs are building this competitive environment where it's like, no matter what position you are, like if you're the McCarthy's and Thomas's of the world, like, yeah, if you don't keep up your production, like you got guys like Dominic Fletcher right behind you, waiting in the wings. After that, Drew Jones not far behind for the Rojas's and Perdomo's. Like if you don't play well, the Jordan Lawler's and the Blaze Alexander's are not far behind. And 
Even a guy, if you look at the rotation, all these rookies, well, you still got guys like Brandon Fatt on the horizon. Even a guy like Blake Walston might not be far behind, too. So I love the D-backs team. I love the depth that this D-backs team have because they do have all this young talent just waiting in the minor leagues in case any of their major league players don't work out. You still have so much depth and other guys that you can convince yourself have potential, have a ceiling, and could be above average major leaguer. So I love the competitive environment that the D-backs are building, and I love the D-backs playing with a sense of urgency letting you know if you're a young guy we're going to give you opportunity but at a certain point once the leash runs up if you're not playing well we're going to rotate you out for somebody else and just try to ride the hot hand ride whoever is playing the best and take that momentum and see how far it carries you see how many games you can win you know doing that model because you do want to have a level of consistency with the guys you throw out there but once you find out who your best players are, I think the D-backs are going to ride those guys until the very end. So very excited to see how the rest of this season plays out. Very excited to see how it plays out with guys like Alec Thomas, the Fletchers, the Jake McCarthy's of the world, guys in the rotation with the Fats and Nelsons. Like all these young guys, everybody's on watch. And I absolutely love the competitive environment that the D-backs are building. Sometimes tickets are hard to come by. So if that's the case, may I recommend... Banner, please. Game time. By the way, I use game time. Do you know that? I use game time because I bought tickets for the final, assuming it's the final Oakland A's game. Uh, I'm going to be there. Now, <laughs> now there's talk about maybe there'll be there'll be a reprieve from the governor. I don't know. Either way, I'm going to be there September 24th, and I use game time to get my tickets. But do you know what? You don't always have to plan that far ahead. Yes, I bought tickets that are going to be in September, but you can have – Last minute deals, the best deals, you know, buying tickets shouldn't be stressful. The stress should be watching the game and hoping your team wins. You got killer deals on last minute tickets or long term deals. You get the best price guarantee. Don't stress over tickets. Use game time. You could have they have flash deals for good uh, upcoming bargains coming up. Last minute tickets. It's easy to find and buy tickets. I, it, I got to see my view. And I like to, I have a specific kind of seat that I like to have. I like to be like the first section up and kind of between home plate and first base. That's my, that's my go-to place. I don't want to be field that. I love to be a little bit higher up, but a little bit over there. That's my go-to. And that's what I got in Oakland. And I got to view it from, I got to view the view from my seat using game time. It's fantastic. You can get exclusive flash deals, as I mentioned, and you get the game time guarantee, which means you always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. And you can buy the tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, boop, boop. They're all there. They're sent directly to my phone. I don't have to dig through emails or print up PDFs. I got them. Bring the phone, A's. Now. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code Locked On MLB like I did. Get twenty bucks off your first purchase like I did. The tickets aren't super expensive at Oakland, so I'm kind of going to Oakland for just the parking at this point. Term supply. Create an account and redeem the code Locked On MLB for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets at lowest price guaranteed.
it's no longer April, it's May. But what does that really mean in the grand scheme of things? It's time for Locked On MLB. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Look at my lower third. How could I have that if I really wasn't Sully? I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for over a decade now, and this is my fifth full season at the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram, and I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. And before I shoot it over to my co-host for the day, I will remind you to download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNMLB for 20% off your first purchase of game time and it is game time for this guy right here what is your name and why are you co-hosting today well i don't know why i'm co-hosting they just tell me hop on every monday with sully baseball i'm like sure i'm gonna be there miller thomas host of the locked on diamondbacks podcast you catch me on twitter follow me there at creator thomas 24 for my personal account look up locked on diamondbacks above twitter instagram for the podcast handle of course, please hit subscribe on the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube channel. Well, look at it. It's May. It's May. And, and you know, yep. I don't mean to sound condescending to you, my buddy. But uh, if I told you when we were starting this season that in May, when we started May, the Diamondbacks would have a share of first place. Ooh. I think you would have taken that. You would have said, all right, I'll, you, I would take that, right? Oh, yeah, I definitely would have signed up for that. I mean, I always try to keep my expectations low coming to the D-back season and finishing the month of April, heading into May. First place in the division. I'm not trying to get too ahead of myself, but God damn, it feels good, Sully. Well, look, at we're, even, we're even getting a uh, explicit rating here. And, <laughs> uh, you know, look, at we are, full disclosure, Darn we're recording it. this before the Phillies Dodgers game on Monday. So we don't know if the Dodgers won that Gonsolin up against Walker. Uh, if the Dodgers won that game, then they're half a game up. If the Dodgers lost that they're half a game back, but that's not what we were thinking was going to happen when we were talking about the beginning of this season. Now the D backs will be playing uh, another surprise team. They're going to be playing the Texas Rangers on Tuesday. Yeah, um, but here's the big thing. And for, for, Casual baseball fans and people who are not necessarily D-backs fans who are l- listening to the show here, uh, Zach Galen is pitching for the Diamondbacks on Tuesday. He's going up What's against What's his Brett. name, Sully? Say it Zach, one more time. Zach Galen. Oh, God, Sully. Galen. Am I saying it? Is it am do I, okay. Do you want I, – I get it wrong every time, and I keep thinking I'm saying it right. That, oh, Zach Galen. <laughs> You always default to the Galen. I'm like, it makes me think of my and, and I'll and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. My shop teacher in middle school was named Galen Green. Okay. And I see, and it was spelled the same as Zach Gallon, exact same spelling. And I made a keychain and a uh, a plexiglass napkin holder in shop. My mom still has the keychain I made for her back in 1984 in Galen Green's shop class from Weston Middle School in Weston, Massachusetts. So when I see G A L L E N, like if you if I my oh here's my friend Millard, how do you oh. spell it? M I L L A R D. 
That's Millard. It's Millard. I've no, gone so called Millard. Millard. <laughs> All right. Well, whatever. I didn't think I'd. Welcome to Locked On Shop. Uh, Locked On Spelling Bee over here. Zach Gallon. There we go. Doesn't there. feel right. Whew, Gallon. Galen Gallon. Well, I'll tell you what doesn't good. feel right is being a batter facing Zach Gallon because he's That's been right. unbelievable this year. Mm-hmm. And who would have thought at the beginning of the year that D-backs Rangers might be a World Series preview? Yeah, I mean, that might be going too a little too far. I would love to see it. But Zach Allen, I mean, he had the streak last year of like 44 and a third straight innings, scoreless innings pitch, no earned runs over that time. And he's doing it again, Sully Baseball, yeah. last 28 innings pitch for Zach Gallon, gallon no runs. He allowed two earn. Uh, he allowed nine earned runs in his first two starts. Hasn't allowed any since. And during that time, I think he has forty-four strikeouts to so one walk. Gallon has been locked in. And of course, as the biased D-backs host, I am. He was my preseason pick for the Cy Young Award, and he's looking to be tracking as it currently stands, heading into the month of May. Well, I mean, I I don't think I thought the D-backs were going to be okay this year. I didn't think they were going to be mm-hmm. great. Solid. I think I, re- I think I remember. I thought they were going to be, feisty. um, like I thought they were going to be a, a a pain in the neck. Yeah, feist. And yeah, and th- and that's exactly what they've been. And mm-hmm. uh, Zach, um, I have uh, I uh-huh. I have his baseball reference, uh, baseballreference.com, <laughs> single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth. I have his his page up right here. Uh, and it turns out you're right. It's Zach Gallon. I didn't. Oh, I, yeah. I, did not, I had to double check there. Uh. uh uh, New Jersey native, by the way. That's right. Uh, went to UNC uh, Chapel Hill. Um, most people forget the fact that this is he. Let's say he is a top ten Cy Young finisher, okay? That's Which sad. is is a, with the start he's on right now, leading yeah. the league in is fifty one strikeouts in thirty seven two thirds innings, only uh, five walks. To his 51 strikeouts. His ERA. You know, how many did he let up that first game? He's, he, he let like, up nine earned runs. Nine, nine earned runs. And uh, since then, he's Zero. allowed one unearned run. Yeah, that's it. That's it's it. Been insane. Yeah, and his ERA is 2.15 um, and has the best strikeout-to-walk ratio. Ten, more than 10 strikeouts per walk. I mean, holy Toledo. If he keeps this up, clearly he's going to be, if not a Cy Young winner, then certainly a finalist, right? Yeah. If that happens, Mm -hmm. then this would be the third year out of the last four that he would have been a top 10 Cy Young finisher. Is there a more anonymous, legit ace right now than Zach Gallon. For most people, look at I follow baseball as pretty closely as anyone you'll meet. I was pronouncing his name like a damn shop teacher. <laughs> yeah, I think he could still be the most under-the-radar pitcher in baseball just because if you look at his year-by-year stats for Zach Gallon, like he's been doing this since day one because as yeah. a rookie, he did set the major league record for most consecutive starts of allowing two earned runs or fewer, which was like 24 straight starts. So he's been doing this since day one. And he goes by year by year, year right? Like rookie season, 281. The 2020 short season, 275. 2021 was really down for him, a 4.3 year right. Then last season, Elite came storming back, 254 year right. 
fourth or excuse me, fifth in Cy Young voting, finished ninth in Cy Young voting in 2020. And then this year, 2023, over the last four starts, he's looked phenomenal. He's got the 44 strikeouts to one walk. He has at least 11 strikeouts in three of his last four starts. And he's doing it against teams like the San Diego Padres, where you got dudes like Soto in the lineup. Fernando Tatis was back in the lineup for that start. And it's like, it doesn't matter who Zach Allen is facing right now. He's mowing them down. But the biggest question right now for the D-backs rotation, they have not announced the next starter after Zach Allen in this series for game two against the Texas Rangers. And some people are speculating at the time we were recording this late baseball that the D-backs top pitching prospect, Brandon Fott, could be called up for Wednesday start, and that could just add to the level of intrigue and potential for the rest of his D-back season. Now, let me let me just say, this is a little thing called horizontal marketing. Uh, I'm okay. trying to get you excited about an upcoming segment. And if you're a St. Louis Cardinal fan, you may want to look away because we're going to kick you while you're down a little bit. Oh, but I do want to bring up that let's just say, Let's let's um let's let's project something here. Mm-hmm. If Zach Gallon yes. wins the Cy Young Award this year, okay, mm-hmm. and that's on the table. If he wins the Cy Young Award, then the St. Louis Cardinals will have to come to grips with the fact that their team made one of the worst trades in the history of baseball. They acquired. Let's be kind and call him problematic outfielder Marcelo Zuna. Okay. <laughs> um, they traded away Zach Gallon in the Ozuna trade. There were two other players and there were three other players involved in the trade. Two of them, uh, uh, Daniel Castano, uh, Marginus Sierra. I'm sure they're nice people. Do you know who the other player involved in that trade was? I actually do. I'm pretty sure it's Sandy Alcantara, is it not? Sandy Alcantara was in Alcantara. All right, you mispronounce Galen. I'll mis- you mispronounce Alcantara. I'll mispronounce Galen. We're even. Um, All right, we're good. Is it not Alcantara? Is it Alcantara? It's Alcantara. <laughs> okay, never mind. You got so me. I'm, I'm exposed. If, if Galen, I almost said Galen again. If <laughs> yeah. Galen wins the Cy Young Award, then the Cardinals would have traded two future Cy Young Award winners for Marcelo Zuna. And now the Marlins traded Gallon for uh, Jazz Chisholm. Yeah, which, which is a good deal. I think that's a that's a trade that helped both teams. The best you know, one like for pa- one. Pablo probably. Lopez, uh, you know, the Pablo Lopez for... Um, Luis. Uh, yeah, the Luis Arise trade. I almost said Alcantara. Um, <laughs> but imagine Cardinal fans... You're in a situation when you look up and you say, oh, yeah, we traded away two Cy Young Award You've already traded away one winner and one regular contender. I mean, imagine the Cardinals if they had Alcantara and Gallon in their rotation right now. I think they'd be off to a slightly better start than they are right now. And Cardinal fans, you may want to look away or stick around and listen and and take the beating. But we are going to talk a little bit about the Cardinals their start, and it's also going to bleed in a little bit to what a start like this really means. But I think we got some real, real serious questions to ask about the St. Louis Cardinals and going forward. In case you guys needed a new revolutionary 
fantasy baseball game, let me tell you about So Rare because So Rare is a marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, So Rare, so Rare managers truly own their fantasy experience collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards, and there's no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance, collecting increasingly powerful cards and accessing next-level competition and rewards. So rare, MLB game weeks happen twice weekly and span a three to four day cycle. At the end of game week, so rare MLB managers who rank near or at the top of their leaderboards win a variety of rewards, which can include so rare scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, and VIP experiences like meeting MLB stars. Prizes may vary depending on the competition. So head to so rare.com slash locked on. That's spelled S O R. S-O-R-A-R-E dot com to draft your team of free player cards. Set your lineup and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash LockedOn to start playing today. We are back here with uh, Miller Thomas talking so rare. Um, I I don't believe that you should necessarily fire a manager this early in the season mm-hmm. unless it's clear that something bad is happening. Agreed. The only two times that I really remember being like this early in the season saying you know, pull the ripcord now was when Bobby Valentine was managing the Red Sox yeah. in 2012. I said, I, I knew from the, the, it was clear. I said, okay, okay. It's like, you, it's like when you call a state at the presidential election with a 1% showing, it's like, okay, all right, it's, it, it's enough. This is going to be a disaster. Let's, 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 which bench coach is there? You know, it, it came down to, if you remember, uh, the with the after Francona left, it came down to Bobby Valentine and Sandy Alomar, mm-hmm. and they went with Valentine, and they're like, okay. And then a month into it, oh, oh no, 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 this is not going to work. And they they for reasons unknown to me, they stayed with it to the end of that year, which of course set up the next year with John Farrell. But I mean, they just should have fired him at that point because he didn't finish. He, you know, he, he was gone anyway. And the other was last year with La Russa. It mm-hmm. was obvious to everybody very early on that the La Russa thing was a bad idea. And they got away with it the year before because nobody else contended for the Central. So they won the Central with ease. And it created the illusion that La Russa was the right guy for the job. It was so clear. And if they had made a change early on, I believe that White Sox team could have right of the ship would they've passed cleveland i don't know they nearly tied cleveland up until september so i mean yeah um so but i have to look long and hard at um ollie marmel the manager of the cardinals uh, okay. um, i mean 
Well, I, I, I have said, even though the Angels have a decent record, get rid of Phil Nevin. The team is playing stupid. They're, they're good managerial candidates. He was only there as an interim fine. But Ollie Marble took the place of Schilt. Remember? Schilt mm-hmm. had the, the Cardinals go on that wild winning streak in 2021, surpassed a bunch of teams, made it to the wild card game, almost beat the Dodgers in the wild card game, and then, boom, got fired. Two years after he was manager of the year, he's still out there, you know, employable. Angels, take note. Uh, so is Roberto Kelly, and so is Hensley Mullins. Everybody do your shot. They're Bruce Bochy's lieutenants. Um, you can't start your year worse than the Cardinals. I, y- yes, you could be the A's and have these horrible record, but the Cardinals were supposed to be the only real contender on this division. And they went an entire month dropping the first game of every series they played. And this was, you know, we went into this year thinking, okay, they're the only, I mean, maybe the Brewers can contend, but every other team is, is in a rebuilding. The cards are going to run away with this division. And yeah, there's a lot, and we'll get it. We'll talk about that. There's a lot of time to go through this, but I'm looking at this team and something is not making sense to me. I mean, I look at, I mean, Goldschmidt's still a good player. You know, mm-hmm. some of these players are still fine players on them. Jordan Montgomery and Flaherty are pitching well. Michael has had a couple of good games. I don't understand what's happening. And this is a team that's designed to win now. And th- I'm wondering if, you know, if they have a bad May, it might be time to pull the ripcord. Yeah, it's been so weird for that team in that division this season because the Cardinals, like you were saying, come into the year. I was like, okay, it's the Cardinals division to lose and everyone else in that division I'm kind of writing off. But now you're looking at it. Entering May, you're like, the Pirates are like one of the hottest teams in baseball. The Brewers have been consistently good. The Chicago Cubs have been sneaky. And it's like, where are the St. Louis Cardinals in the standings of that division? Oh, they're near the bottom. And it's like, why is that happening? They are the bottom. They They are are the the bottom. bottom. Yeah. And it's like, is that... All on the manager? Is there players' faults? Is it the front office? I think it's a combination of everything. And right now, you just like look up and down the team. It's like I, I don't know how much can I blame the manager for Nolan Arenado batting two thirty with a six hundred three OPS. Like Jordan Walker started off pretty hot as a rookie, but they've already sent him down to the minor leagues, which I don't think was a great. Um, I don't know if that was a great move. And then you look at that rotation. A guy like Miles Mikolas, who was really good for that team last year, has not been that good for the Cardinals this season. Adam Wright has yet to make his debut. The bullpen doesn't seem as strong so it's like a lot of the things that were working for the Cardinals last season just hasn't seemed to carry over this year and it's like I don't know how much I could put on the the manager for that I don't know how much is just the construction of the team through the front office how much I just put on blame uh, you know put blame on players for not living up to the contracts but it seems to be a combination of all three and I couldn't help but have a thought the other day while I was in the bathroom slowly baseball I was like man what if Paul Goldschmidt was on this Arizona Dimebacks team right now? Where would the D-backs be in the standings? I had a little thought. But for the Cardinals, it's not looking good. And I don't think, you know, the these MLB teams last season were really aggressive with firing the managers. I know you remember the Joe Maddens and the Joe Girardis. Like, they were fired at the first sign of, like, um, pessimism with that team and the team not living up to expectations. So I wonder if the Cardinals take 
the same effect. I feel like teams over the last couple of years have really taken in a sense of urgency when it comes to the postseason. Now that we have the expanded playoffs, more wildcard teams, I think teams are taking the regular season a little bit more serious and especially teams are spending money on the field. So a team like the Cardinals who have spent assets to get the Nolan Arenados and the Paul Goldschmidt of the world gave a contract extension to Miles Michaelis. I do think they want to see a return on that investment and I wouldn't be shocked if they fire their manager, but I don't know if that's the move to help propel this team forward. Well, and, you know, it comes. It, a lot of it comes down to John Mozeliak, who's the mm-hmm. who's in charge of the team. You know, I, I, I is his. I think is he's president of baseball. I, Mike Gersh is the VP. There's, it's one of these these hierarchies. But he has been the GM since '07. Um, was he inherited obviously a very good team? They won the World Series in 2011. He made the right call to let Pujols walk, um, which. And and they had, uh, you know, they made it back to the World Series in 2013. That's the 2013 World Series, and Pennant was clearly one that he could take his victory laps for. Um, you've seen it's a strange situation. We're now it's been 10 years since the Cardinals have been in the World Series. They've mm-hmm. been in the they've been in the NLCS in um, 2014. They went back. They had the best record in the National League in 2015, but they've got. Uh, bounced by the Cubbies, um, they they were back at the NLCS where they got you know thumped by the um, uh, by the Washington Nationals, um, and they've not been an elite team. They've been good, but they've not been an elite team. And here's why I think he's in trouble because this is this is clearly his team. Right now, mm-hmm. he's traded away assets, including a Cy Young Award winner and a potential other Cy Young Award winner to build a, a win now team. He's traded away assets to get Arenado. He's traded away assets to get uh, um, Goldschmidt. And he's seeing Alcantara, a Rosarena, Galen being, you know, flourishing on other teams. And this was a commuter lane to a playoff spot this year. And he also was the one who fired the manager of the year coming off of a wild winning streak. If you know, that was basically Ollie Marmel was his guy. That was his call. Mm-hmm. So look at he's, uh, he's a, he's had a wonderful career. And if they turn, you know, Mosellock, if, if they wound up turning it around and winning the world series this year, there, there. He's been executive of the year enough times that you may be able to whisper, "Is he a Hall of Fame?" He's certainly going to be in the Cardinals Hall of Fame, which he probably will be anyway, because he, you know, he was a GM for a World Series winner and another pennant winner. But he's made a bunch of calls. He's traded away superstars. Imagine a Rosarena, Alcantara, and Zach Allen on this team. Mm-hmm. You know, homegrown Cardinals on this team. Instead. You've put it all in for these big stars that they have, and the Molinas and the Pujolses are gone. So what's left is this is all him now. There is no Wainwright on this team right now. There is no Pujols. There is no uh, Molina. And so there is nobody on this team. It's like the smoke is settled, and there's nobody on this team that has the Cardinal World Series glow to them. And they're playing in a division where at least three of the teams were in full rebuild mode this year. And they can't win 
a single game. They ever won a game one the entire uh, first month of the season, which is why I say it's the worst way to lose. Everyone thought the A's were going to stink. I didn't think they were going to stink this bad. Mm-hmm. But I, nobody you – know, I thought they were going to be more of a like a, a pesky 70-75 win team. Oh, my God, they may lose 120. Everyone knew the Rockies were going to stink. So they're going to have worse records than the Cardinals. This team was supposed to be the gimme in the yeah, all divisions. And and you know the the Pirates may come to earth, the Brewers may come to earth, but you know you can't necessarily lose a division in the first month. And we'll go over that in the final segment. But man, oh man, if you dig yourself a deep enough hole, uh it, it's hard to climb out of that. Yeah, and I don't know if you could justify justify firing your front office guy right now, maybe at the end of the season, because like you said, you did hire your new manager. He only has been there a short time. So if you do tank this whole season, then it's like, okay, I could clean house with the manager and the front office and all that makes sense. But like you detail some of the moves with the Ozunas, you know, trading for him and trading away Randy R. Rosarina. But you also think about like, he got Paul Goldschmidt, gave up Luke Weaver, and he gave up a whole bunch of bag of Carson Kelly. Like, he was able to fleece the D-backs for Paul Goldschmidt. He was able to trade Austin Gomber in pieces for Nolan Arenado. So even though he's got some egregious trades for, like, the Zunas of the world, he's also traded for quite literal MVPs and Paul Goldschmidt, who has helped trade that, uh, you know, change that franchise. You look at the litany of young talent that they have up and down their lineup from the Gormans, the Donovans, the Jordan Walker. So it's like, I can only put so much blame. It's like, even over the 10 years since that world series, they're like in the low 90 wins every single season. Maybe they haven't been that tier one contender, but they've been in the mix every year at least. Yeah. But I mean, here's, I'm going to throw a couple other things. You got Cardinal fans who are used to a certain level of victory. And since the, since, um, the uh uh what's his name you know well since the 2013 world series they've been in the nlcs twice and have won a grand total of one game Mm -hmm. you know they they lost 2014 in five and they got swept and they got just just two by four by washington and this is now in this decade they haven't gone they've not seen an nlcs they they've in the last uh you know last 10 years there's been no world series after the 2013 series and cardinal fans are used to a certain level of championships and when you acquire arenado you acquire goldschmidt you're not doing that because you want to be a division winner and a fringe contender you're doing that because okay these are going to be our stars who are going to bring titles here and yes they fleeced arizona and colorado to get them but it has led to uh, it has led to a grand total of zero penance. And Cardinal fans, I think, are getting a little anxious. There's no way you're going to fire a GM in the middle of the year. We all no. know that. And that wouldn't accomplish anything. But if I were if I were he, I would be I would really be nervous because I don't I don't I don't put this on Ollie Marmel. This is his team. Uh, this is a uh, um uh um God, why my why my Mosaic team? It's like Zach Gallen all again, all yeah. over again. So you think um, this is like the NL version of like the Yankees almost, or Brian Cashman, where it's like you got the one World Series a whole bunch of years ago. You got a whole bunch of teams that have been in the low nineties, mid nineties, but we haven't been able to get back to that level of success that our fans are. They haven't been. Yeah, I mean it's it's eerily similar to Cashman, uh, although Cashman has has done it for ten years longer. 
yeah. and it's more inexplicable. You know, the, the, you know, the, the, the uh, Cardinals have been to the World Series twice since the Yankees' last title, uh, but I digress. Um, but it's it's interesting. Now, again, it's way too early to completely hit the panic button, and the the Cardinals could have a terrific May, turn it around. The Pirates mm-hmm. could come crashing back to earth, or you know something along those lines. So the fact of the matter is. There's a lot of time, and we're going to show that in the final segment. That's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast, part two with Silly Baseball tomorrow, where we discuss how teams have looked on May 1st the last couple years and see the carryover till the end of the season, which teams were in first place that went to last place and which last place teams went to first place and just kind of, you know, trying to have an open discussion as D-backs fans as to, you know, realistic expectations for the rest of the season. So come back tomorrow for that podcast. Thank you for making Lockdown Dynamax first listen every day. Make your second listen of the day, the Lockdown MLB podcast with Sully Baseball. Don't forget to download the SiriusXM app where you can catch every D-backs hometown pitch when you search Diamondbacks on the app. And of course, thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. If you listen to Lockdown Diamondbacks every day, put hashtag every day or on the YouTube channel. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Doses.